Welcome to the Mr. Vincent Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and it's a great time right now. Football's back. That's essentially why. Um, we get a sense of normalcy now with the NFL resuming right on time, too, I might add, uh, as the seasons change. Um, it's great to have, even though it is conflicting with the NBA playoff schedule. And I'm sure a lot of people found themselves in a dilemma yesterday, like I did, going back and forth between the Pats game and the Clippers Nuggets game. Uh, but nonetheless, I'll take what I can get at this point. And it's good to have a sense of normalcy back with, with sports going on. Uh, so for this episode, I did chop it up with the good homie Shells about an hour and a half, two hours ago. Um, we wrapped the conversation up. Talked about um, hoops, the Clippers, championship aspiration team. Blew two 16-point leads in the third quarter of the last two games against the Nuggets. And now they find themselves in a do-or-die Game 7 situation with a young, scrappy, and talented team that isn't going to go down easy. Now, if they lose this series, a lot of heat's going to come their way, and rightfully so. So, me and the homie Shells talked about that, of course. And then we also did preview game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics. It's going to be a tough series. Can really go either way, honestly. Both teams are exceptionally well coached. Both play hard, very disciplined. Don't make many mistakes. I can't see that series going either six, I mean, less than six games. Six or seven, I think, is going to go. Who I think is going to win, you'll find that out. After you listen to this pod, as me and the homie Shells gave predictions on that series, um, also debating who was the best player in the series, and more. So we can actually get into it right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 56. Tap in. And so, yeah, man, I wanted to talk to you because... I was trying to do a podcast with you yesterday because I had a feeling the Clippers were going to close this, this shit out and then we're going to have the Clippers and Lakers that battle LA. So let me talk to Shells about this before do a quick pod. But <laughs> they blew another 16-point lead in the third quarter in consecutive games and now we have a game seven here. What do you think is going wrong with the Clippers? Because you know what I think it is? I think that part of this is the fact that there's not a lot of continuity with the team because the lineups have been like like changing throughout the whole season. We know Kawhi's on load management. PG was hurt for a period of time um, stuff and stuff like that. I just feel like that's playing a role in where they're at right now. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I want to say, because I want to say they only played like maybe like 15, 20 games, including the playoffs, like together, like with their, with the current roster that they have right now. So they haven't played mm-hmm. a lot of games together, but I said this even when in the first round, when they beat Dallas, I was saying like, I won't doubt that they're still going to win the championship. But, like, when you watch them, it doesn't, like, feel like, wow, that's a really good team. Like, it's just, like, they have a lot of talent, and when they turn up, they're a tough team to beat. But, like, it's not like they're playing – it's not like they're playing together. Like, if you look at the other teams that have actually been, like, playing well throughout the playoffs, like, they're not one of them. Like, if you look at, you know, like, Miami or even the Celtics, and I'd probably say the Lakers are probably the third. Like, if you look at how they're actually playing – like they're playing better basketball than the Clippers, even though I think the Clippers can beat all those teams in the series. But like, it, they leave it up to chance because they don't they they rely too much on individual talent. Like I feel like they don't they just don't play as cohesive. Yeah, I mean, I would say that too. Like the ball movement doesn't isn't as crisp as like those other teams. 
for the most part. And and you got you got Kawhi who was like like the the killer in the mid range game. He gets to the spot, so I felt like they were relying on Kawhi a lot. Um, but I think a big a big problem too is that the sixth man of the year isn't playing like the sixth man of the year, or even Lou Will. Like Harold was like was pretty was bad yesterday. I think he had about like four points or five points rather on four shot attempts, two or four from the field. Yeah, yeah. They they haven't they haven't played well since the bubble started. I don't know if like the long layoff kind of threw them off or not. I don't know if they're like not in shape or just not feeling sharp. I mean, the, the majority of their team, no one has been really consistent like that except Kawhi. Like, Kawhi might have had one or two bad games here and there, but, like, overall, like, like he's averaging, like, 30. And yeah. I don't know who the next leader scorer is, but the next leader scorer is probably Paul George, and I, he, I know he hasn't been playing. Hmm. Yeah, but PG's been up and down this whole uh, – this postseason. He played pretty well on the last game. Um, what, what do you think about PG overall, like as a as a player and where he stands at in the league? Like top, I, I mean, I don't think that that's my favorite player in the league, but I can't really say that he's top ten right now based on what I'm seeing in this in this bubble restart. I'm not even, top fifteen. I'll say for sure. Uh shit, I'm not even sure if he's top fifteen. I gotta think. Like, it's not that it's crazy, but like, I don't know. I gotta I gotta really think about that because he's like he when he's on. I feel like he's a top 10 player, but he's just so not on, especially in the playoffs. Like, I feel yeah. like he, he, get, he he falls in the category of, like, a Lillard or a Harden to me where, like, they, they're very capable players. They'll, you know, they'll have big games in the playoffs, but they tend to, like, overall, like, in playoff, big playoff series is not always play well. Like, I, I feel like outside of uh, once against – I want to say it was it was either Heat or I think it was the Heat. Once against Heat, the Heat when he was uh, an indie, he had a really good series. But maybe even twice he had a really good series. But outside of those two years, one or two years, I feel like he just I, I don't know what it is. Come playoff time, I mean playoff is different basketball. Like when defense gets tighter, the games get slowed down. Like a lot of the shots that people get in the regular season is not the same shots they get in the playoffs. And a lot of people can't adjust. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. had like an interview. And he was like right when the playoffs first started, and he even said because like he was killing in the bubble, averaging almost thirty. He might have even averaged thirty. And then he was saying like, yeah, as soon as the playoffs started, he's like, I'm not getting the same looks I was getting before. It's completely different. Like the the gaps are closing faster. The defense is more intense. The game is slower. Like so, and I feel like he, obviously he's a rookie, so he's really adjusting. But I feel like that goes for everyone. Like the game just changes, and a lot of people, like even like someone like Westbrook, like. It just doesn't doesn't it affects their game a lot. And then there's other players where they thrive in that type of situation. You like look at someone like Rondo or even someone like Kawhi, where when the playoffs start, all of a sudden, like this dude is averaging, you know, four or five more points per game. He's like averaging more rebounds, averaging more assists. It's just the style of basketball changes. Some players are mm-hmm. for it, some aren't. Yeah, man. You know what? I think that if this series, if they were to lose the series um, tomorrow night, uh, I feel like we have to have the conversation that PG might might not even be like uh, the best player on a championship team. Maybe like a like a third like a third wheel type of player on a championship team. Because uh, I'm I mean like even like when he played with Russ in OKC, um, remember he got outplayed by Joe Ingles that first year that first go around. Yeah, he. I mean. I think he – I mean, I feel like he played 
good more he played good more games than he played bad in that series, but mm-hmm. he th- once it came down towards the end of the series, he stopped he he wasn't playing well. And you can't have that from someone who's elite like he was the elite scorer the whole year. I, th- I think if I remember correctly, I think I think that closeout game, he was like two of sixteen from the field with like five points in the, in the game. Yeah, he it was he, bad. Yeah, he didn't play bad in the closeout game at all. Yeah. Um, now to flip it to the to the Nuggets, I don't want to take anything away from them because a lot of people were saying even when the when the bubble restarted, when the season restarted with the bubble format, that a lot of teams with like youth and depth, like they could take advantage of the situation with this uh new format. I th- I think the Nuggets are a prime example of that. Like to be in the situation down three one and now potentially to come back and win the series consecutively after being down three one is crazy. Jokic, you know what? I think I might have to give them the best center in the league title. I don't think I don't think I could give it to Embiid anymore. Yeah, I mean, we, even with his defensive um, deficiencies, I feel like he has more impact on games. He kind of reminds me of like a big man version of Luca. It's just as far as like an offensive juggernaut, defensively a liability, but like it kind of like they're still able to like to have big impacts on games regardless. I mean, yeah, and like I I know what I'm I know what I'm gonna get out of him. As opposed to Joel Embiid, who's always up and down. It's like he has the tools. I think he's more skilled, more talented. But I, I'm going to go with the guy who I know is going to be productive for me on most given nights. Yeah, I think Joker is definitely way more consistent. I feel like when Embiid is in shape and um, ready to go, I feel like he's the best center in the league. But the problem is that he's a lot of times just not in shape. And that really, like, it contributes to his up and down play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so so you said that you didn't watch the game, right? Like yesterday? Yeah, that was the only game of the series I didn't watch. Okay, yeah, because it was crazy. Like when it was coming down to like the like the wide, the light, like five, five minutes, they were playing five out. Joker said a couple of the threes. Like Harold was was struggling to close out, and then Doc took him off the bench. And I think that that might be a strategy they might want to use more in Game Seven is to like really go small, so everybody who who's on the floor is because quick to close out and force them to put the ball on the floor as opposed to shooting. The, the long ball. Did they put who they put at center? Jermichael Green. Who did they put at center again? I uh, I believe it was Jermichael. Yeah. Or could have been Morris. I forget. Yeah, that would make. I mean, yeah, I can I can see that. It's just it's tough because Jokic is one of those like he's 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 not like how like K. I mean KP can still punish smaller people, but sometimes he'll get jump shot jump shot happy even with smaller guys in him and Jokic isn't like that like mm-hmm. he'll shoot but when he has someone small on him he doesn't settle for taking jumpers like he's gonna make you pay or force you to have to double him so it's it's just different he just has a really good feel for the game it's very difficult to guard him yeah it is so I mean if you had to pick who you think is gonna win tomorrow night I'm still gonna go with the Clippers just because I feel like um, if they jump on them and just stay focused. I, I don't feel like Denver has enough just because Jokic, he's going to do what he does. Murray has been up and down this series, but I feel like the rest of their team, like it's, it's difficult for them. Like I feel like the rest of the people on that team have trouble scoring sometimes. Like I feel like it's com- almost like when, more, when Murray is on, then I feel like the rest of the team plays really well. Even though Jokic is more the distributor, it just puts more pressure so they get more open looks. But when he's not playing well, I feel like everyone else is just, like, struggling. And it's just, like, Jokic is really the only one that can get easy baskets himself. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if I had to put money on it and had to put money on it, like my life depended on it, I'll do it tomorrow night. But I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if the Nuggets did pull it off. I mean, we all knew, anybody who watches basketball knew that Murray wasn't going to duplicate the productive the productivity he had in the last series with this one, with, with that mm-hmm. perimeter defense. But I mean, he did play well yesterday, had 21 points yesterday. He, he did a good job of getting his shot off and then getting to the rack, too. Um, I, I have to tell you, you was actually right. When you asked that question of who has the best um, the best young nucleus in the league, you said Denver? Yeah. Yeah, you was right. Yeah, they, you was right. And I, and I feel like they, they, have to, they have to keep – if there's any, any three they have to keep, it's got to be Jokic, Murray, and, and Porter Jr. Yeah, I, I honestly think that they'll probably need to keep Gary Harris too just because he's their best perimeter defender, but he can still, like, score – he could still hit shots. Like he's like a three and D. He's a like a perfect three and D young player to go with that nucleus. I feel like they'll have to keep him too. And then obviously they still got Bobo. Like they they got a lot of young talent. They have PJ Dozier too, who hasn't really played a lot, but he's like a young guy. Monte Mule. Their whole their whole team is just they got a lot of people who are twenty five and under who are good. Yeah, it's crazy watching them. Like yo, they can really like be a legit. Like contender for the next like several years in the Western Conference, if they keep that nucleus intact, which I think that they would definitely do. Yeah, I think um, they'll probably have to get rid of Millsap. Like they'll like there's just a few pieces here and there. Like they're they're gonna need to add another wing defender. Like Jer, Jer, uh, Jeremiah Grant has actually surprised me. Oh, Jeremiah yeah. Grant, yeah, yeah he's he really he's been shooting well. Yeah, he's really improved his three point shooting a lot because mm-hmm. he's been in the league. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot in OKC, like what he did, but now he's just a, even a better, a better shooter. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Yeah. I believe I believe he was on like a three-year deal when he got traded um, down to the to the, to the, um, to the Nuggets. So they caught it coming up relatively soon. Um, no, you know what? A lot of people aren't talking about this, but did you know that if the Clippers were to lose, this will be the third time that Doc, a Doc Rivers coach team blows a 3-1 lead in the playoffs. Because remember, he was the coach of the Magic when they were up 3-1 against Orlando. I forget what – I mean, they were up 3-1 against your, your Pistons. Yeah. I forget I, I what year that was. You, you probably know. Yeah, I remember that series. What, what year was that? Uh, Do you remember? That was – Was that before the chip or after the chip? Pretty sure that – that, that might have been the year. That was – I want to say that was the first year Grant Hill played, like, without being hurt. Okay. So that was – I think that was before the trip. I think that might have been like 2002 maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's the part, right? And then we have a 2015. He was coaching the Clippers and they were down. They were up big against Houston. And then with James Harden on the bench, they went on that crazy run to come back and win that game, force the game uh, five, and then won the series. Yep, I remember. So now uh, we got to talk about Doc, right? I mean, is that fair or not that we got to question Doc's greatness? Because I'll go into and tell he's a Hall of Fame coach. He's probably going to make the Hall of Fame. He does got a chip. He's been to a fi- another finals before. But outside of that, he hasn't really done much in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily question his greatness, but losing this series is a really bad loss because he has all of his pieces and he just hasn't coached his team well. Like, they just haven't been coached that well up to this point. Like, there, there hasn't mm-hmm. been any point in the playoffs where, like, you're watching them and you're like, damn, this team is just so impressive. You know, it's just like they might have a great game, but you're not watching them 
and you're like, wow, like I like when you, even when you watch the Lakers, like when you watch the Lakers, you're like, okay, Frank Vogel, like is really like he he has them together because he the Lakers also haven't had their full roster, their current roster right now. They haven't had them for that many games either. But like mm-hmm. when you watch them play, they look way more cohesive than the Clippers look. And I don't know if that. I mean, Vogel is a good coach, anyways. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with LeBron too, and then also mm-hmm. having Rondo. So they have two of the best quarterbacks in the NBA. But I mean, it's just night and day when you watch when you watch them play. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, they goes to your point. They don't have a a, a true point guard on that team, yeah. a true facilitator. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty much like Paul George and Lou Will are kind of like the, the de facto point guards on that team. Reggie Jackson a little bit too, but I feel like they've been reducing his minutes the past few games. But yeah, they definitely have reducing his minutes and giving it to Shaman. But yeah, it's pretty much like Paul George and Lou Will like have been doing the majority of the primary ball handling on, on that team. I mean, Kawhi sometimes too, but like bringing the ball up, you normally see Paul George and Lou Will bringing the ball up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, okay, yeah, he's definitely a good coach. I want to go, but I don't know. I don't know how this how great he is. Like what people like trying to make it seem to be, or, or what they put put him as in that in that in that tier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a good look if they if they blow this. Yeah, I think that would be re- really bad because you have to remember too. Like he's been with the Clippers for a long time, and I think it's seven seasons. But remember, in the beginning, he was the GM too. Mm, so, yeah, he was. Yeah, you know, so like he was res- like a lot like. A- up to I think last year was the I think when Steve Ballmer took over was the first year that he relieved his GM duties and just remained the coach. The first when uh, mm-hmm. Ballmer bought the team and then Lawrence Frank I believe became like a full time GM where he yep. like actually taking over stuff. But it was like you know like Doc is fully like up to that point you know he was he was fully responsible for everything that went bad because he's making the roster decisions and coaching. So it's like you have zero yep. excuses. And now he mm-hmm. has. I mean, you can't ask for a better roster than this. Like, they might need another big, but, you know, overall, like, you cannot ask for a better roster than this. So, there's really no excuses. And it will look really bad if they lose a series. I feel like his his best attribute is player management. Like, he's good at managing egos. He's good at, like, taking a lot of talented people and get them, getting them to buy into, like, one – um, one cause and have everyone like on the same page. I feel like that's his greatest strength. Not so, not as much X's, X's and O's. Not that he's bad at X's and O's, but I feel like player management is really like his key thing. Like that's his greatest asset. Yeah, I mean, you look back at Boston at those strong personalities like a Rondo and KG. Um, obviously with Pierce and Ray Allen, I feel like a lot of those like personalities kind of like didn't really mess well together. But obviously, Dot made it work and they had success down there. Yeah, Boston. Okay, that's fair. Um, let me come back to you and ask you about the Celtics. Celtics Heat. All right, let's resume the pod. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, Heat Celtics. Um, nobody saw this coming. Nobody could have predicted this. That'd be this be the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, but it is right. Who do you think has the best? Who who has, who has the best player on the in the, in the series? I think Tatum's the best. The Heat on the. Wait, say it again. I think Tatum's the best player in the series. 
Really? Yeah, I think Tatum is. But um, I wouldn't be mad if someone said Jimmy Butler. But I think I think Tatum's the best player in the series. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go as far to say I think it's whoever's better. It's one A, one B. I can see why somebody would say Tatum, but I mean I, I'm gonna say that, like go, if Tatum at his peak, I think will be definitely better than J- than um Jimmy at his peak. But Tatum at 21, but Jimmy in his prime still, an elite at the uh, the at the defensive end, and he's just fearless. He got a lot of heart. I think it's kind of even right there. But like you said, if anybody told me it was Jason Tatum, I can't really say you're bugging, you're crazy. Yeah, because Jason Tatum is is nice. Like it, it's a, a lot of a few uh, a few teams are looking really bad from that from that 2017 draft. Lakers are looking bad, but not as bad as but not as bad as the Sixers. They're looking really bad right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Sixers that they 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 really really messed up that draft pick. But I can't be mad mm-hmm. because at the time I thought it was a good pick too. So it's not like I first saw this either. I thought. From seeing Fultz in college, I thought Fultz was going to be good. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy uh, what, what, what happened. Um, but to get back to the series, so who do you think has the upper hand going into the series? Because these teams are like are very well matched, I, I would say. Um, but who do you think has the, has the upper hand right now? I would say the Suns just because they, I feel like they have more experienced players. The who? The, uh, sorry, I said the Suns. I meant the Heat. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Heat, yeah, the Heat. Um, I feel like the Heat has an advantage because they have more experienced players. You know, they have – I mean, the only person on their team that has won a trip was Iggy, but, I mean, that still means a lot from someone who, you know, was on an entire championship run, having someone like that in the locker room, um, having a championship coach, you know, like that. Like, they just have a lot of experience – um, for deep playoff runs and championship runs that the Celtics currently don't have. But um, I, I do think the Celtics do have more talent. But, I mean, Miami is playing the best basketball that I've seen throughout the playoffs. I didn't get to watch them a lot during the regular season, but during these playoffs, they have really impressed me. They just don't make that many – like, they don't beat themselves. They, like, mm. you, you have to beat them. You have to play well to beat them. They're not one of those teams that have a lot of mental mistakes and make a lot of mistakes, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on teams because they, they don't make a lot of mistakes, and then they play defense. They share the ball. They don't really have, like, one guy that you can stop. It just causes a lot of issues. Yeah, man. Like, you know, like I, I watched them throughout the season, not heavily, but I, I've seen games. I'm like, I like the way they play. Like, it's like, it's a, it's like a real, like, college-type, like, basketball team. Where the ball's moving, everybody's in it, in it for the same common goal. There's no real Eagles in there. I think bringing Eagle Dollar in um, during midseason was a big addition to the team. Even Jay Crowder, too. I believe they traded for Jay Crowder, right? Yeah, book. they did. They traded for Jay Crowder last last year. They got him. Yeah. And then like he's 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 like oh, he's on fire right now from beyond the arc. So that's a good that's a, that's a good addition. But if I had to pick right now, I would probably say the Celtics. I would give the edge to only because, like you said, I think they have more talent on the offensive end. So I feel like this series could come down to um, a game seven scenario, which we all know when it's game sevens. Like there's nothing that you're gonna see from the opposing team that's gonna throw you off that you haven't seen already. It's really gonna kind of come down like to who do you have on the on the offensive end that can that can create their own shot and, and get the shot that they need. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like Boston has more people capable of that than Miami does. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with you. Like, honestly, Miami reminds me of a less talented version of the 0-4 Pistons, where it's just, like, mm. super balanced, 
very like defensive oriented team play plays together isn't really like one guy that you could just key on because they just share the ball like they they don't it's not that they're like their team makeup is the same but just their style of play and how they share the ball and stuff are kind of reminds me of the, those old four, the old four Pistons and they well obviously they have less talent but. Yeah, man. Yeah, they, they, they're, they're fun to watch. Like, yeah, Tyler Hero, like, his poise is crazy. Like, he plays like he's been in the league for, like, seven, eight years already. Yeah. He was only a rookie. It's just wild. Yeah, they got – I mean, they got three. Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, all, oh, yeah. two, all these young players, they're out here, like, not looking like rookies. I think Bam – this is only, like, Bam's second or third year, too. Bam came in 2017. Yeah, so, yeah, so this is third year. Yeah. This dude's like they, – they got a lot of young guys, too. It's just – they have vets mixed in, and they have vets that don't care about anything other than winning. Like, they don't have mm-hmm. any selfish people on that roster. The whole roster is just a bunch of dudes who, like, are tough, play deep, play are two-way players, can do a little bit of everything, like, from top to bottom. Like, they don't really have many one-dimensional guys in the team. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. We, we, we're talking about, like, how, like, a lot of the young talent – is like not phased by the moment, by the situation. Now, do you think that would be the case if we were playing in a traditional setting at a at a packed arena or like game five on the road, tied up, tied two two? Do you think that that'll be that that'll be the, that would still hold true in that situation? Because I'm not really sure it would. Yeah, I feel like a team like Miami, um, the bubble help, the bubble definitely has helped them because yeah. teams that don't make mistakes. And that don't like they're not like a they're not like, like a front running team that like the crowd and just excitement of playing at home like makes them play better like no matter where no like no matter the setting they just kind of play the same so I feel mm-hmm. like when you start I honestly I think like even if they were even if there was fans I think they probably would play the same but I think that the teams that they're playing against would not be playing the way that they're playing they would be playing better. So I think that's what would affect them. Well, yeah, I mean, like, think, like to the last series, I, there's no way. I don't, I don't think that the Bucks would lose as convincingly as they did if we really were playing packed arenas when the Bucks would have home court. I mean, think about it. The Bucks really like that season. What they had was like all for nothing if you look at it, because they fought so hard to basically have the home court throughout the whole playoffs, and then the pandemic hits, but nobody could have like uh, forecasted. Then we had the situation where we're going to put everybody in a bubble neutral site no fans so like that really like took like the advantage out of their hands yeah and then they ran into a team who they even had trouble with in the season so coupled with that it was like uh that's probably not going to be a good it's not going to be a good thing uh for the bucks in this bubble because they were even struggling even during the the seeding games they were struggling yeah that's true i mean i think it ha- i think it helped like miami i think it even helped boston too but i mean again i mean miami was a good home team themselves but like I, they were a good home team, but like if you look at, I'm pretty sure they had a losing road record this year, the Heat, and the Bucks were beasts at home. So I just yep. can't see like a lot of those road games. I can't like I can't see Miami take. I just couldn't see see them taking four games. But I didn't factor that in when I was like looking at the bubble. I was just looking at the teams. But like that is a good point. Like even like a team like Philly, like Philly's nasty at home. They suck on the road. Yep. So it's like. You know, like all these, like those, all that stuff just didn't play a factor at all. So it would have, like, I think even Philly would have benefited against Boston. I think Boston would have still won the series, especially without Simmons. But I'd like, I think a lot of those series would have played out a little bit differently. 
Yeah, I was going to say like, but 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 with no Simmons, they probably would have got swept anyways if they if they had their home court advantage. Um, but now people are even talking about this. Gordon Haywood is supposed to is scheduled to come back at some point during the conference finals. Now, if you're Brad Stevens, you already had a situation where you tried to integrate um, Haywood a little bit too early, or you tried to give him too big of a role while like Tatum and Brown were like were developing and meshing together. So I'm thinking if he comes back, there's no way he can start when he comes back. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to have to play off, off the bench. How many minutes do you think he should play a game? Um, or like, I, what, what, what should his role be? I think you'll probably have to play him like 15, 20 minutes to start just because, like, you got to get back in, like, game shape. That's going to take a mm-hmm. while and to get his rhythm back. But honestly, Brown and Tatum are not even, wouldn't even be my main concern. It would more be taking Smart out of the starting lineup because he's playing his best basketball right now, and I don't know yeah, he, how that would impact him. You know, like like he obviously he's came came off the bench like the majority of his career in Boston, but I don't know how he would react playing his best basketball, making a lot of big plays, being a key factor, and then like basically getting punished because Gordon Hayward came back. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's yo, like yo. He's really playing great basketball right he now. Is. I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know he had it in him. He honestly, to me, he was the MVP of that of the, of that uh, first series. Really, the whole series or the first series? You said um, of the 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 first series. Okay. Like damn, yeah, the, the dude was making key plays. That block he had on Norman Powell was crazy. Yeah, crazy. Well, clutch. I, I said first series. <laughs> I meant to say second. Sorry, the the last series against Toronto, not okay. not, not uh, the Philly series, the Toronto series. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's a realistic. Uh, you can be, you can make a strong case for him in that in that department. Yeah. Um. All right. So be- before before we get out of here, though, you, so I, I need a prediction right now. So you got Boston in how many games? Whew. Going on. Uh, <laughs> um. I'm. Oh wait a minute. Come up. Come up. You had the you had the Heat winning, right? He just said the Heat earlier. No, I I I. I... I don't even think, know if I said if I thought who would win, but now I got to think about this. Let me think. Well, no, well, well, no, I actually like who do you think has the advantage? Yeah, I think you said Miami, so maybe I thought why that's why I said Miami's gonna. I thought that's why I thought you said Miami's gonna win. Um, let me think. Let me think. Miami, Boston, shit. You know what? Yeah, I might have to. I might have to go Miami. I might have to go Miami in seven. Hmm. I can't believe what I'm saying. Yeah, I had the bug. I had the bugs beating the Heat, <laughs> <laughs> but they 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 have turned me into a believer. But I mean, a lot of this we'll see how Hayward plays. But the one thing I will say is that um, as well as Tatum's been playing, he struggles when he gets doubled or when he gets like heavy strong side coverage. Like he still mm-hmm. hasn't he still hasn't figured out like how to like when to give up the ball, how to give up the ball to like get other people good shots and, but still like staying aggressive like that, those, those things he's still kind of figuring out. And I think that if the heat um, are going to guard him in that way, I don't like, I feel like he can have, like they can force him into like maybe one, two, maybe even three bad games. And that's really all you need in a series like this. If you get Tatum to play bad in like two games. That's that like, that's that's a that's a good win for them, especially if it goes into yeah. seven. And because the team is so uh, so evenly matched, like having Tatum with their their primary offensive weapon, 
if he's going to have a, a couple of games where he's inefficient, that can definitely swing the momentum in Miami's favor. Especially when you're right, right about that. that, too. That's the other thing. Like, Kim, Kimba, yeah, yeah. like, if Kimba was on, I honestly think that the self, like, I think the Celtics could beat them in less than seven games. But because Kimba mm-hmm. has, hasn't been playing well, like, Tatum has kind of been their point guard. Like, Tatum and Smart has kind of been their point guards. Like, Kimba mm-hmm. has been off the ball a lot. And I don't, I don't know. Like if, if he doesn't find himself, like they can't beat, they can't beat the Heat with Kimba playing that way. Yeah, he's got, he's got to be better than what they were. They were fortunate to get to get by Toronto with him playing as like inconsistent as he has. But they definitely will need to be a lot better if they want to win that series. But I'm gonna say, uh, I can't believe I'm saying Boston, but I'll say Boston in seven. Hopefully, it's some type of uh, reverse uh, psychology. Thing, but I'll say Boston to seven. I actually, I want Boston to win, though. I want Boston to win. Do you want a Boston LA final? Yeah, I, I would rather see. Boston. I'd rather see a Boston LA final, and I, I don't care about neither team, so I guess I can root for the home team, even though I'm not a Celtics fan. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. So yeah, overall. So overall, I, I, we remember when the bubble started. We we had our Warriors. We said uh, we don't know if this is gonna be good. It's gonna be mad weird. It's going to be whack. No fans. Now, I could admit I was wrong. I think the product's been pretty good. And what do you think? Yeah, I think the games have been great. I wasn't really necessarily worried about not having the fans. I was more concerned with the fact that you um, have players not playing for so long and then the risk of, like, getting corona and then not – and, like, missing key games. Luckily, that didn't happen. So that that mm-hmm. that part of it has been good, but we have seen like some rust from some certain players that like there's a, there's a few players who prior to the bubble were playing great and came and then the bubble like just completely reset them. Like if you look at people like like Siakam for example, Siakam was Lonzo, and then he even said like I remember he, he said in the interview he said that he didn't like he w- didn't touch a basketball during during COVID. During the lockdown, so, oh, wow. so he wasn't working out. <laughs> he didn't. He wasn't working out at all, and then came back. And then it's like, all right, now he's getting back into shape, getting sharp. You know, it's so like players like that. Obviously, Lou Will had the quarantine. Harrell had his family stuff. You know, like I feel like there's certain players that you can tell, like, like weren't either weren't able to work out or just wasn't working out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. During that time, or even someone like Westbrook, because he he caught COVID, so he had to quarantine. You know, it's just like, like I I felt I felt like things like that really kind of like put a damper on how things were, and like even like Memphis, like I don't think like to me if the if the bubble doesn't happen, Portland doesn't even make the playoffs. Oh yeah, easily. Like the like the bubble helped them in that scenario. Memphis was like a super young team. You, uh, like um, I think I don't. Did Jaron Jackson get hurt in the bubble, or did he get hurt before the bubble? In the bubble, I'm yeah, pretty sure he like, got hurt in the bubble. They, so like they had, you know, they they were playing good, had the whole roster come to the bubble. They lose all that momentum. They their second best player, they lose him. You know, like like I feel like just there's just all these little different intricacies like that that I felt like it kind of made the regular season. It didn't make it irrelevant, but it put like a lot less – like, whatever people did in the regular season, it, it didn't carry over as much as it would in the rec- in the playoffs this year because of that big layover. That's true. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen players get hurt in the in the bubble after taking that. That was, that was one of my worries about the season starting. It's like it's the higher risk of players to get hurt, and we've seen like Jan Jackson. We've seen uh, what's that? Isaac Isaac uh, Isaac Jonathan is that his name on the other Magic? Isaac Jonathan. Oh yeah, yeah, Jonathan Isaac. Yep. Jonathan Isaac, my fault. Um, ben Ben Simmons obviously got hurt too. So Aaron Gordon, I'm like, damn, that's, Aaron that Gordon didn't play either. Oh yeah, he didn't. Magic didn't have like the best, the top like two or three players. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think the product has been good for what what the considering the circumstances, like, and considering the fact, I thought like it was gonna be whack without no fans, but like how the players gonna be like like hype, like that's a big source of energy for players, especially. If you're the home, if you're a home team, um, but I, they, I think that the level is is high, the intensity is high in these playoff games, like it would be if it in a packed arena. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of dope. That's kind of dope to me. Yeah, that the that quality happened. of basketball has definitely been, um, been pretty good. Yeah. All right, man. We can wrap it up right here, man. Appreciate you helping me out with this. Of course, man. All anytime. Yes, sir, my guy. We'll we'll, we'll link up soon. All right, fam. I right, dog. All right, Drew. Yes. All right, special thanks to the homie Shells. Thank you to Anchor. And of course, thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, feel free to hit that subscribe button as this podcast is available just about everywhere you listen to your podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It's there. Trust me. And if you want to keep up with me on social media, feel free. Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Um, So that's all the time I have for now. See, like I said, sweet, simple, short pod. Um, Wednesday morning, I plan on dropping an NFL podcast. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully everything goes smooth, but it should be up by Wednesday morning. Until then, you guys stay blessed, stay safe, take care.